Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. Father, we honor you and we bless you. For you so loved us that you sent your Son, the Son of God, that the sons of men might become the sons of God. Today we celebrate you. We celebrate your love. We celebrate your grace. We celebrate your undying commitment to bring man to yourself. Father, we're honoring you today. We want to be a display of your glory. Father, open up our eyes to see and our hearts to understand exactly what you've done for us and what you seek to do through us. Father, we submit to you. We align ourselves. We pray with all manner of prayer that you would know we're available to you. We give you praise and honor and glory. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. My, it's wonderful. Well, today we come to the end of what we've been looking at, the mystery revealed. And uh, that mystery hidden, as we were singing that, I was just thinking the angels. <clears throat> the reason the angels came at Bethlehem and shouted for joy is because they didn't see it coming. It was such a mystery that had been hidden through the ages that they did not see that the baby born in Bethlehem was God come to be flesh among men. And the mystery was that Christ was going to live the life God intended every man to live so that he could die the death no man could die free from sin. In order that he might be raised from the grave, that man would be open, God would be satisfied, his wrath, his justice would be fully paid that everything would be done necessary for man to come back into a relationship with the God who had created him. The mystery that had been hidden through the ages now revealed on earth. And then it even went further than that. In the resurrection, God didn't just join his chosen people, but he had already chosen so many more, the Gentiles and the Jew. He wasn't expecting the Gentile to become a Jew or the Jew to become a Gentile. He was creating out of the resurrected Christ one new man with a new body. Christ having a new body, now no longer limited to one man's flesh, but to all who would come and believe on him. The mystery revealed is the mystery of the church, the new creation, the new man, the body of Christ on earth, in and through every follower of Jesus Christ. I I saw a new verse this week as I looked at at Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1 through 6. I'm going to finish Ephesians this morning. You all ready? Ephesians chapter 6. If you'll turn there, we'll be catching up there in just a moment. But... uh, Ephesians 5.30, we always think of Ephesians 5 talking about marriage. Husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And wives see that she respects her husband. But in verse 30 of Ephesians 5, it says, We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
The mystery of the actual body of Christ on earth was hidden in God through the ages, but is now revealed. Why? Our text for this whole series has been Ephesians 3.10. God gave me just a fresh revelation. I saw something I'd never seen before, and it's in this verse. That Paul had grace to proclaim to the, the gospel to the Gentiles. In verse 10 it says, to the, to the intent or for the purpose that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, this new man, this body, to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now I always thought about the church being evangelistic and going after the other people in the world, but I never saw that the church was going to make known the wisdom of God to principalities and powers, to the spirit realm. That's why I can say the angels were surprised on Christmas morning. The angels had delivered the message, and yet the joy that filled the heavens, was birthed on earth. The church is to make known. Let me give you another word, a Greek word. Norizo. Norizo. I love this definition. To give experiential evidence to make plain, display, or instruct the principalities and powers, the spiritual hosts of wickedness. The church is to give experiential evidence to the devil and his forces that Christ is still alive and he's well and that he is still Lord of his creation on this earth now. If only the church that we live in today could get that revelation. That literally, not just spiritually, literally, You, as a believer in Christ, make up the body of Christ, the literal body of Christ on earth now. He's the head, and you are filled with all the fullness of God. Well, how do we give experiential evidence to this? So Paul prayed at the end of chapter 3 that we would be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That we would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Verses 16 and 19. First of all, be filled with all the fullness of God. Recognize that you are right now, by the power of His Holy Spirit, filled with all the fullness of God. In Christ you are complete. Chapter 4 says, Then therefore walk worthy of the calling in which you were called, and endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. We are to be equipped by those uh, gifts that were given to the church by Christ. We are to be equipped for the work of the ministry. No longer being children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men. But to grow up in all things into Him, Jesus, who is the head, who is our Christ. That means, verse 17 of chapter 4, that we would no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And in Ephesians 4.23, here's what I see that, what I see is the need of the church today. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. 
And chapter 5 tells us a new man has a new walk. We're to walk in love. We're to walk as children of light. We're to walk circumspectly, which means careful with careful attention to our life, redeeming the time, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that walk is not just personal, but it's a new walk that's walked out in your marriage in chapter 5. Walked out in your marriage. Your marriage is to display the mystery. Verse 32 of of Ephesians 5 says this, This is a great mystery. We're talking about marriage. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. The mystery, the marriage. Your marriage is to be a display of the wisdom of God in the coming of Christ and His union with His bride. You know we could teach on that for a long time. Chapter 6, you're to live it out not only in your marriage but in your family. In your workplace, at your job, in your business. In other words, chapters 4 through first part of 6, every part of your life you're on display. With every part of your life. Right in the middle of a world dead in trespasses and sin. The world that's walking according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Who walk in the lust of their flesh and of the mind. And are by nature children of wrath. You are the body of Christ on display. That's why you're here. In this time. To give experiential evidence, but listen to this, to principalities and powers that God is still at work. Christ is still on the scene. Well, what does that look like practically? When I ask the Lord concerning how do, how do I, what, what, what is this? I got two words, be undeniable. Be undeniable. We are to be in this world something that they can't take for granted. To be undeniable. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. And uh, you'll see on the screen that there's some yellow or I don't know what color that is. But anyway, it's not white. On the screen, instead of me going through word for word, telling you all the Greek, because you know that's what I enjoy to do, I just put out there the definitions of certain words to just to help explain it. So let me read Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 with my additions. And those things that are in a different color are, are my study of definitions of words. Finally, my brethren, finally, in conclusion, after we looked at everything about who the church really is, Here's the thing, my brothers, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from Him and be empowered through your union with Him. And in the power, that strength and dominion of His might, His divine ability. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, you already have that inherent ability to stand and stand firm against the wiles, the schemes, the strategies, the trickery and the deceits of the devil. For we do not wrestle, we're not in a hand-to-hand battle with flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, these world forces and systems of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
listen to which you can't see. You can't see it. You're in a battle right now that you can't see. You feel it. You know it. It's here, but you can't see it. You're not fighting what you can see. Therefore, take up, take decisive action now and put on the whole armor. Be wholly armed of God that you may be able, have the inherent ability and resources to withstand, to stand firm against, resist, and hold your ground in the evil day. And having done all, having worked out fully and thoroughly uh, to the finish, and you carry this to its conclusion Having done all, you stand and stand firm and stand against until all is established. Then Paul goes on in the next verses to describe the armor, the provision of, of God for the fight that you're in. Every part of the armor is the reality of what Christ has accomplished and established for you and in you. Before the Father... You can put on, you stand in truth and righteousness and the good news of His peace and faith and salvation and the Word of God. Every place that Paul describes as an armor or as a piece of armor is a provision and a promise to you as already being accomplished by Jesus Christ. You stand. And by faith, that confident assurance in the wisdom of God and all that He's accomplished in Christ, you quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Folks, listen. The way you stand against the devil is not just uh, in fear, but literally in the faith that says everything that's necessary to be done has been accomplished in Christ Jesus. And I stand firm in Him. And the Bible says that shield of your assurance will quench, take out every fiery dart the enemy throws at you. it's It's God's provision for you. It's within you first, and then it's a promise and provision for that which is without you. It's no there's no armor in the back. You do realize that, right? In other words, you stand. You stand. The Roman soldiers, their feet, they had shoes on, and in the shoes there were spikes that they could stand firm and hold their ground. The whole idea here is that you just stand in the truth that God's already given you. You stand in the work that He's already accomplished. Let me tell you, if Jesus, if God the Father is satisfied with the finished work of Jesus Christ, so shouldn't we be? Stand firm. Hold your ground. With your heart and mind set on the Lord. Verse 18. Well, let me go back. The Word of God is your weapon against all the lies, the schemes, and the tricks of the enemy. The Word is not just for fighting, it's for enabling you to stand. The Bible is incredibly important to you. The Bible is incredibly important to the body of Christ. I believe it's been preserved through the ages in order that we could still have it, that we could have the knowledge that the Spirit could work through in order for us to be equipped and established 
to know who we are and to know what He's done. Don't ever take for granted the Word of God. It's not just a weapon that you can use against Him. It's also an enablement for you to be able to stand against all of those thoughts and those fiery darts that come against you. Folks, from the moment you were born again, you entered into a war. People say, boy, there's spiritual warfare. It's always been here. The church is the one who's to take the stand against the war in the war. The government is not going to win the war against principalities and powers. Morality is not going to win the war against principalities and powers. The only hope for victory in this world was established on a cross and a resurrection 2,000 years ago. And now you are the enforcers as the body of Christ of that victory. We are the ones that are made to make known to be the experiential evidence that Christ is still alive on this earth. We're His body. He's our head. And then it says in verse 18, Praying always, at all times, on every occasion, with all kinds of prayer, silent prayer, open prayer, loud prayer, panic prayer, all kinds of prayer. And supplication, asking, seeking, and requesting in the Spirit, being watchful, attentive, and ready to this end with strong purpose, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You stand firm, you hold your ground, with your heart and your mind set on the Lord's agenda. Prayer is communication and communion with the Father, with whom you have open access and assurance of being received and heard. You don't stand alone. You stand as the visible representation of the body. The Bible also describes us as living stones making up the the building. We're together in this. And when you stand shoulder to shoulder, robed in Christ's provision, attentive to the Father by the Spirit, you become undeniable. Now listen to me. Maybe not to the world's eyes. You see, I want to be an undeniable. Let everybody know who Daryl is. No. I'll tell you who I want to know who Daryl is. It's the principalities and powers. I want them to know who Jesus is. I want them to see that I'm part of that body. And I'm un- you are undeniable to the principalities and powers. They know who you are. You remember when Paul, that day that those sons of Sceva were trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus and who Paul preaches? And these demons jump on these guys and beat them up? Paul we know. Did you hear that? Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who are you? But the principalities knew who Paul was and they knew who Jesus was. You understand who you want to know who you are in this battle is not the world. It's not people. Who you want to know who you are is principalities and powers. The world may never notice who you are, but in your prayer and in your standing with Jesus Christ, you being His hands and feet in this world today, you become enemy number one 
against principalities and powers and the things they're trying to keep and hold on to in this world. You enforce the victory. You can be undeniable. Every principality and power understands who you are and who lives in you. You can become experiential evidence of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? I asked, Lord, how can I make this real to you? And, and I don't know. This may be silly, but, but God gave me something that's, that, that I enjoy. I enjoy football. I enjoy the Dallas Cowboys. Well, today at noon, Dallas Cowboys, Pat will leave early so he can get there. Uh, at noon, well, we'll be through before then because I want to see them too. <clears throat> the Dallas Cowboys plays the Washington football team. I know them as Washington Redskins. But uh, the Dallas Cowboys play the Washington football team today. This is a long-time re- uh, rivalry. Two football teams. And, and, and this is not original with me. Uh, Tony Evans uh, brought this illustration. But the Dallas Cowboys and Washington are going to play today. And, and they don't like each other. And it's usually a close game. And they're playing in Washington on enemy territory. Two teams are going to take the field today. Two teams are going to be at war. They oppose one another. And they're going in opposite directions. And there's going to be conflict. And there's going to be competition. But what we often don't realize, there's going to be more than two teams on that field today. There's going to be the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins. But there's a third team that's going to be on that, team, on that field today. It's the team of officials. Five or six. The third team, officials, they're different from the other two teams. Their allegiance doesn't belong to either of the other teams on the field. In fact, if the third team, the officials, show preferential treatment to either of the other teams, they, they literally, it becomes illegitimate as a team. That's because this third team, this team of officials, belong to another Kingdom, the kingdom of the NFL. I told you it's silly, but think about it. They don't belong to the home team. They don't belong to the visiting team. They answer to a higher authority. And everybody hates the officials. Right? Huh. Sounds familiar. You see, the third team can't be concerned with the applause of the crowd or the voices of the coaches or the players. They're not to be swayed by the majority opinion. They're not to be influenced by who is bigger or stronger or faster or even better. Why? Because theirs is a higher calling of another kingdom. In fact, they have their own book. The officials have a book that tells them the truth of the game and how it's to be played. Now, both the other teams have the book also. But what they try to do is they try to use the book to their advantage. To somehow skirt the boundaries of the book in order to give them advantage in the game. But the team officials have only one source of authority The NFL, that kingdom. You see, the NFL wrote the book, and it's to be used to determine the decisions made on the field in the game. I hope you're following. The team of officials literally are essential to the game. 
they enforce the intention of the game. They often get blamed for messing up the game. But they are there to represent and hold up the real reason and purpose and the way of the game. The way it's to be played. They stand for another kingdom on a field of two teams playing the game. Their reward, they don't get paid by either team on the field. Their reward comes from the NFL. They advance according to how they stand on the field. What the team of officials is to a football game, the church, the body of Christ, is to be in this world. You see, there's a battle that goes on for the hearts and souls of men. These cultures that we live in are at war, and every culture has their own team. The body of Christ is to be the third team. The problem is, even on the third team, far too often many on this team of officials are tempted to take sides on the field of play. In our day, some have taken the left side and some have taken the right side. Some have taken the rich side and some take the poor side. They've chosen teams and have forgotten that they belong to another kingdom. They've allowed the divisions of men to become the divisions of the kingdom of God. Not understanding their unique place that that the church, the body of Christ, is designed to have in this world. All that is happening today may be just a wake-up call for the church to reconsider whose side we're actually to be on. And it's not the left or the right or the rich or the poor. It is God's side. You see, there's always be issues in the world. But the issues of the world are not the real issue. The real issue is that God has made a way for this world to be reconciled to Himself. He's made a way for this life on earth to work and to be prosperous. And it only works His way. You say, well, preacher, what can we do? It looks like we're getting run over on the field. Pushed to the sidelines and incidental to the to it all. But that's not true. Remember, you may not be known to the teams, but you're known to the principalities and powers. You see, this whole thing belongs to Jesus. On a football field, the players have more power than the refs. The refs are outnumbered on the field. You'll see one get run over every once in a while. Because the players are bigger and stronger and faster and younger. If there was a shoving match with the refs, the refs will lose every time. But what the players don't have and the refs have is authority. You see, the players have power, root strength, talent. But what they don't have is authority in the game. The player can knock you down. But the ref can put you out of the game. The refs may be smaller and older, but they have legal authority from the league. And because they belong to that kingdom, when they pull out the yellow flag, everything stops. They get to enforce what the final decision is. 
not the arguments on the field. They bear authority from the kingdom to which their allegiance goes. Preacher, what are you saying? You are the mystery revealed. You're part of the new man, the body of Christ, the church, the representation of Christ on this earth. This whole thing belongs to Jesus. Everything is under His feet. And you are His feet. We are to legislate in the now what has already been settled in heaven. And if the world doesn't like it, and it, you know, the coaches now have a red flag. If the world or the teams on this earth don't like it, they can throw the red flag. What happens when they throw the red flag? There's a challenge. The official goes to the monitor in order to view the replay of what really happened. When the world throws a red flag and challenges what God's doing right now, we can take them back to the replay. There was a baby born in Bethlehem who lived a perfect life, who went to a cross and won the game and rose from the grave on the third day. And He has now poured His Spirit out on those who come to Him. And now they represent Him on this earth. Go ahead and check the replay. That's the authority. That's who you are. The mystery's been revealed in now time. You are the church. And you are so loved by Jesus. The Bible says He nourishes you and washes you with His Word. You are more than a conqueror. You are now the experiential evidence that God redeems, sets free, and fills this earth with His glory. Our world, listen, right now, our world isn't looking for someone who can win the latest debate in the culture war. They're looking for an alternative to the whole mess. They're looking for Jesus even if they don't know it. Don't follow the crowd. Follow Jesus. Don't win the debate. Change the conversation. It's not about that. It's about Him. And it's about you. Stick with Jesus' agenda. It's still about the great commandment and the great commission. Great commandments love God and love people. Great commissions to make disciples. Stick with Jesus' agenda. Everybody wants you to have another agenda today. The church has one agenda. Love God, love people, make disciples. Well, preacher, how are we to do it? Know it. In prayer, hear what he's saying and respond accordingly. Get into relationship with others. Be undeniable in today's world. Not maybe to the world. They may not know your name. But I want hell to know my name. Because I stand with a replay of the accomplishment of Jesus Christ in my life. 
If God's satisfied with His finished work, so am I. You are that mystery. Stand. And having done all until everything is worked out thoroughly and completely, stand. You are experiential evidence of another kingdom. Right in the middle of the kingdoms of this world. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, only you can make this real to us. So I'm asking for a spirit of revelation to be loosed upon our lives. And that every time we get out there and we hear the debate, we recognize who we are. And we change the conversation. Lord, maybe there's some here this morning that they may be part of a local church, but they've never really come to understand that they're part of such a bigger church. And yet they have a local responsibility. Father, I'm asking you that you would... Call us up to the authority you've given us. Let us stand. Having done all to withstand. And stand until it's finished and established. Or until you call us home. We'll give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together with me? Would you just... uh, Would you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart this morning? Where are you? Do you know? Do you know who you are? Do you know why you're here? Are you standing? It's it's not in your strength, but in the might of His power. It's not waiting for you to have some no, enough knowledge. It's knowing that His Spirit will give you what you need to say in the time that you need to say it. You learn by praying always in communion and in your union with Him. You live out of that relationship here and now. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 